with you tonight. So I think looking around and most people do know who I am, but I'll just give a bit of an introduction. So my name is Gemma and I work up at Caponry, um, mainly for the Bible School um, as the outreach coordinator. So it's my responsibility to get all the students excited about evangelism and mission and telling people about Jesus. And I really, really love that. Um, so you can tell I'm not from these parts. So I'm from the promised land, which is Scotland, of course. Um, but I've been down uh, in England for, I was working out, I think it's been like 13 years this year, which does feel quite crazy. Um, and I, yeah, it's just a real joy to be part of this church and to be serving at Cape and Ray. So yes, yeah, so at the moment, we've, we're on our second week of holidays at Cape and Ray, which is just a real delight to work with all the guests. And I'm enjoying that. But I'm also trying to write my master's dissertation over the summer, as well as uh, working at Cape and Ray. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks. So yeah, I'm studying a master's at Cliff College, which is in Sheffield. And I'm doing 20,000 words on conversion therapy. So if anyone has any wisdom or any insights or would like to chat to me about what I'm studying, then that would be really lovely to chat to you. So yeah, that's been a real uh, challenge, but also just a real, uh, just an opportunity to just to gain a little bit more knowledge about what I'm doing. Tonight, we're going to be talking about sharing faith and evangelism. So just before I begin, I think it might be worth just telling you a little bit about my background. So I absolutely love evangelism. I love talking about Jesus. Uh, since the day I've become a Christian, I've just always known that God's kind of given me a gift to be able to share Jesus with other people. And it's really been a passion of mine throughout my whole ministry. And um, when I was younger, none of my family were Christians. So the only mention of Jesus was probably a swear word in our house. I, ha- I had really, really lovely parents, but they didn't take me to church. And when I was about 10 years old, I was completely obsessed with football and Rangers football club. So where I grew up, um, you were either a Celtic fan or you were a Rangers fan. And that was kind of part of the core of your identity. So it was kind of drilled into me from a very young age that I was going to be a Rangers fan. But my family didn't quite realize how good I was going to be at football. So even though I'm pretty short and I was, um, I was just really, really good on the ball. And I grew up uh, right in the heart of a big council estate just outside of Stirling. Has anyone been to Stirling before? Yeah. Good. That's where the Scottish defeated the English in the Battle of Bannockburn. Just if you're unfamiliar with Braveheart and you want to give it a watch, then that's where I'm from. Um, so yeah, so I'd be out on the street playing football every day. I would get in from school and all I wanted to do was play football. And one Saturday in particular was quite a significant day for me. So we were playing football on the local playing fields and I heard people with funny accents I know I've got a bit of a funny accent, but I heard Americans of all people. I was like, what are they doing here? And um, so these guys were on the state and they were just chatting to the kids and there was quite a, a crowd of them. So me being the way I am, I was quite cheeky and cocky. I know that's quite hard to believe. But I went over and I was like, what are you guys doing here? You're not from these parts. And they said, oh, we're Christians and we're here in your town this week to serve your community for the week. And I was like, Christians, what are these guys around? What are they about? And I remember bit of a side note but that day I mean I was I had quite a bad mouth on me every second word would have been a swear word and this tiny little girl just swearing at people it was terrible and the guy who was my youth worker for years later um, he's in his 70s now and he spoke at my wedding and he says that he'll never forget the first day he met me which was that day he said because I was just so cocky and I was actually quite good at football couldn't believe it so yeah, so that was my first ever inter- interaction with Christians and they stayed in our town for the week. Uh, I started to take myself along to church, even though I thought it was a little bit uncool, but I was quite a popular kid. So I had a good way of getting people to come along with me. And when they went back to America, those folks, um, they put me in contact with a local church youth worker who was a massive support to me throughout my life, really. So that's why I've got a real heart for mission, because if those people hadn't taken the time 
to come to the area where I was growing up, I've never known about Jesus and I wouldn't be standing here today. So my heart's always been for local mission. I had quite a, a challenging teenage life, made a lot of mistakes and I'm still making a lot of them, but thankfully I've got Jesus to help me. But when I was about 15, I got charged by the police for smashing all the church windows. I went out in the middle of the night with a group of guys, a group of pals, and we smashed all the windows. And then 10 years later, I worked for that church. So quite funny, about a month ago, somebody did the windows in again. And Willie, if some of you know him from Scotland, he rang me up and he said, Gemma, I just want to know where you were last Saturday night because... The windows have been put in again, and I was like, ah, oh, very funny. I was like, it's not me this time. So I, I love it when I work with young people, and I love working with the most challenging, because when I see them, I think, do you know what? If Jesus can break into my life and do a miracle, then he can do it for anyone. So yeah, my testimony's a bit all over the shop. But it wasn't straightforward, but I, I just know how much uh, Jesus just he gave his life for me, and he did it because he loves me, and he did it for each one of us. So what a great message that we have to share. And the message of Jesus, it's not just a ticket to go to heaven, the day that you accept Jesus. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and he wants to use us. And one of the ways he wants to use us is by telling other people about him. So that's a bit of an introduction. So tonight we're going to be a little bit about evangelism and what it means to share our faith. But just before we start, um, I want it to be a little bit interactive. I don't want to scare anyone. I know we like, we like to be quite conservative in England, but if, if you're asked to do a little bit of discussion, try and enter into that. You don't need to speak out to the front or anything like that, but let's try and have a bit of a chat about it because it's an interesting subject. So one of the first questions I ask the students in my lectures is, how does evangelism make you feel? If someone says the word evangelism to you, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? So for some people that might be, I feel well excited about it. So that's me. When someone says it to me, I'm like, I feel really excited about this. And then other people might think, oh, I just, I just don't want to do it. I'm just too afraid to do it. So I just want you to discuss just with the people next to you, um, the word evangelism, or it might just be simply telling other people about Jesus. How does it make you feel? What is your initial gut reaction when somebody says it to you? What do you think about it? So just have a tiny little chat just for a minute. And I'm just going to ask a couple of people to tell me what they think. Yeah, like, your testi- like a testimony doesn't need to be like your life story. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. All excellent stuff. Um, so, yeah, so just a few things. I think, going back to the word itself, I do think it is misinterpreted a lot of the time. So evangelism is not pressurizing people to believe, conducted only by experts usually addressing quite large crowds. So sometimes when we think about evangelism, we think of like Billy Graham or we think about someone who's like up there, you know, with those kind of gifts. Um, what it is, it's to present Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that men will put their trust in God through him. So, so yeah, in the Bible, it does say that people of evangelism. Okay, so I would, I would say over I've probably come to realize that I am an evangelist. So I don't find it hard. If you're sitting next to me in a bus, I probably am going to tell you about Jesus. I've had quite a few funny stories on the way. Um, when me and Matty went to Bulgaria a few years ago, and how plane, plane seats are set up for evangelism. They're always in threes. So you've always got like two people that know each other than just a total Joe or somebody that doesn't know anyone sitting beside you. So me and Matty ended up sitting next to this guy, and I had the book, you know the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. If you haven't read it, it's an excellent book. So I was reading that book on the plane, and I could see the guy was kind of looking over at the book, like because obviously got God splashed all over it. And he was looking over, and me and Matty were chatting probably about church and ministry, and you know, we find it quite hard to switch off, especially when we planted a church a few years ago. We were chatting about it and he was looking over and I thought, oh, this guy seems quite interested. So I'm going to have a bit of a chat with him. And I think the gift of evangelism, I, I don't know what it is, but I can pick up very quickly whether someone wants to hear it or not. 
I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a spiritual gift. I've no idea. But when I'm chatting to someone, I can almost tell you within a minute whether they're actually going to listen or not. So this guy was getting interested. So we started a conversation. He was asking us, what's the first thing that people always ask you? Oh, what, what's your name? What do you do? So when church, that opens up an opportunity right away. I'm like, oh, I work for the church. Oh, that's interesting. You're, you're quite young to be doing that. I'm like, really? I'm like, I don't know what his experience of church was. And so that opened up a conversation. We were chatting away. And then I thought, actually, this guy's got a really good sense of humor. So I don't know why I said it. And Matty just about dropped dead on the seat. But I ended up saying to the guy, I said, I said, listen, mate, I said, the only thing you need to be worried about is if the plane goes down, do you know where you're going? And Matty, Matty burst out laughing. But then he burst out laughing. He thought it was really, really funny. And I was like, no, seriously, I says, if you don't know Jesus, I said, that's a big thing that you need to sort out in your life. I ended up sharing the gospel with him. I didn't have a Bible with me, unfortunately, but I did have the Francis Chan book. So I gave it away. This is a Christian book, I said, but you do need to get a Bible. I said, but this book, it will help you and it will direct you in the right way. So, so for me, I find that quite, for other people, even speaking to a stranger would be absolutely terrifying. So we've got some beautiful students that come to Cape and Ray, and some of them are, they can be quite shy, they can be quite, quite timid, not all of them, but they would find that just really difficult, even having to enter into a conversation with a stranger. And I totally get that. However, I do believe that even if you're not a gifted evangelist, and some of you will be here, and some of you might not even know it yet, because it comes with practice. Like to share the gospel, I believe that the more that we do it, the easier it becomes. But sometimes taking that step out and being able to do it can be quite difficult. But even if you're not a gifted evangelist, as in, in the Bible, the word evangelist, I do believe that each has a responsibility and an obligation to share Jesus with people. The Bible says that. The Bible says that each person, we all have a responsibility to tell people about Jesus. And I love what you said, actually, about the testimony thing. So I wasn't going to mention this, but so when I teach the students to share their testimony, I always say you, you need to have a couple of different versions of your story, not like made up stories, obviously the same story. <laughs> that would just be quite, quite bad. But I always say if you're sitting on a bus with someone and then all of a sudden an opportunity comes to light and you're able to share the gospel, the last thing somebody wants a 10 minute spiel of something that you've written out before that you're just going you're just going to turn out I said that's probably going to be quite boring and it's probably going to be quite intimidating you should be able to share story it doesn't necessarily need story that when we think of testimony we, we automatically think oh this is from when I was born until when I met Jesus and this is how my life is so wonderful like you know people hear about real life you're sitting next to someone and they're like oh how are you doing today I'm like do you know what I'm actually not having a great day like that can be such a good opener into the reality of what the other person is feeling. So I always say you should be able to share something about your life in Jesus in about two minutes. So you, you don't want to bore people to death on the bus. Like I would always like try and have something up my sleeve. It might even just be, do you know what? This is what God's doing in my life this week. It can just be a glimpse of Jesus uh, to that other person. And sometimes things take time. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. So I, I don't find it hard speaking to strangers uh, I don't find it that hard making friends. Like I absolutely just love people. So I think that's gifts is being able to just make friends with people. And sometimes when you make a friendship with someone, if you jump in straight away with the gospel, like sometimes that can actually be sometimes a little bit damaging. It's true that they need to hear it, but it's sometimes it's not. You need to really have a lot of wisdom about your conversations with people. So in Burnley, there was this young girl who was, um, she was actually one of my youth when I was a youth worker, but she had grown up and she was about 19, 20 at the time. And I was walking down the road and I was pregnant at the time and she was pregnant. I looked over and I thought, oh, that's interesting. 
shouted her over, and, and this girl was was a tough girl. So she'd been in and out of care her whole life. Like she she didn't have any stable home. She had family that had completely abandoned her. She really was a young girl doing life by herself. But when when she started chatting to me that day, I was like, oh, we've got something in common straight away because she's pregnant and I'm pregnant. So let's see if we can try and meet for a coffee and support each other. So we did that. And all the times I met her, I was like, man, I can't believe I've not shared the gospel yet. And I hadn't even really said anything. But I believe that God was giving me an opportunity just to make this friendship. And in time, so her, her name is Amy and she won't mind me telling the story, but she would post some pretty awful things on Facebook about her. There'd be a lot of swearing and a lot of cursing and not very nice things. And when she would do that, I would message her and I would say, do you know what? I think you should probably take that down. Like, it's not going to be helpful. Then all of a sudden, she started to take those messages down, which would have been unheard of before because she was such a tough girl. So over time, I did get the opportunity to share the gospel, but it was more about influence in her life, like showing her a, a different way, really. So we do need to be wise as well. So it doesn't mean that every single person in the street, you're going to trip them up and get your Bible out and start hammering in the gospel. We do need to have a little bit of wisdom about it, but it is for everyone. I remember Rob Whitaker, if you've been to Cape and Rain and heard Rob lecturing, he always described it this way. He always says, it's from Daniel Niles, a quote, and it says, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And I've always just, it's such a simple thing to say. And I always use that quote because I love it. So if you've received the Lord Jesus in your life, like that is so life-giving for other people. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. So a lot of the reasons why we don't share faith, there's lots of reasons. I think the main reasons that I come across when I do this sort of speaking in churches, a lot of the time it is we feel that we're not quite good enough. So we're not quite good enough. We don't quite know enough. So we feel we don't really know that much about the Bible. Um, So we're scared that we get asked questions. We feel it's for someone else. So it's for the evangelist. Or we just feel that we're just not able to do it. And being a Christian, I think that anyone can share the gospel. So even if you've been a Christian for five weeks, like you can still share what Jesus has done in your life in those five weeks. You don't need to be a professional Christian. You don't need to have all the answers. People just want to see honesty and people that are genuine. And that goes back to quite a, a bigger debate. We're in a culture, we're in a postmodern world in the UK. We might even say we're post postmodern. I think we're actually moving beyond that now. So we're in a culture where a lot of the is um, set in the centre of society anymore. Post Christian. So years ago, it would have been unheard of for people not to to believe in God. Like if you even look back, even just a hundred years ago, not to believe in God would be quite a big thing. But these days, we're, we're trying to reach out to a culture that absolutely hardly know anything. So. I actually love, I love apologetics as well. So I love, I love chatting to people that don't believe in Jesus. And one of the reasons why I love it is because I totally think that they don't even live by the worldview that they say they do. So let's look at atheists, for example. So if you, if they live without any real intrinsic meaning in their life, so you, you live and you die, nothing's that important. Um, you just have to be a good person and not hurt anyone else. Then I would always say like, well, what happens like when someone gets married in your family? How does that make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel great. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, what happens when you have a child? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's a great feeling. Um, how do you feel when somebody does something wrong to you or something wrong to somebody that you love? And they'll say, oh, that really annoys me. So actually, atheists are actually living off a lot of the Christian worldview because that is the Christian worldview. We want a sense of justice. There is a sense of morality and right and wrong. So the way people actually live can completely contradicts 
how they actually live their life. So I love getting into conversations with people. I find it really important. So we're just going to look at a couple of scriptures just to back up some of the things that I'm saying here. So, so yeah, so an obvious one, uh, Matthew 28. So, you know, Jesus says that he wants, he wants his people, so it is written to Christians, you know, to go out and share the gospel with people and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is actually commanding us to do it. He's saying we have to go out, we have to do it. Um, and to do that, it's unlikely, it's, it's not completely impossible, but we have a responsibility individually to share Jesus, but we also have a collective responsibility as a church. And I always feel, when I've done quite a lot of stuff like in churches over the years, like little workshops and looking at how churches are doing mission and evangelism, how can we support with that, what you're doing. And the more I've done it, the more I've realized churches that kind of go inward on themselves they don't last as long. The minute a church loses that evangelistic and missional heart and they just kind of face inwards and in what the church is doing, I always find that those churches, they don't seem to be as strong in a few years' time. So we have an individual responsibility, but we also have a collective responsibility about how we're reaching the lost. Opening the doors, sometimes it does work. I know, I know people that have walked past my church and just thought, oh, that church door's open, I'm going to come in. I've heard the gospel. I know, I've, I've seen stories like that. But I'd say the majority of people are just probably not going to walk in the doors, which means that there's something that we need to do. Like, how are we reaching into their community around us? How are we looking for ways to engage with a surrounding culture that is even more secularized and non-Christian? And that is a challenge. Um, also, we're Christ's ambassadors. One of the things that's really shocked me in my Christian life, so all you need to do is hang around with me for a short time. I've got a lot of issues. Uh, I've, come from, <laughs> I've come from a very non-Christian lifestyle, and there's still things in my life that I really, really struggle with, and I am really open and honest to admitting that. But what surprises me is how, how God actually wants to use us. So, and the more, that you, the more you share the gospel, the more God will use you. And for some reason, you'll just find yourself in situations where you think, wow, like God has really planned this. But sometimes it's taking that initial step and having the courage to talk about Jesus. Um, I remember one time, have you met Anne? You know Anne who comes here, Irish Anne. So when I moved to Burnley um, to do some mission work there, I didn't know anyone. And I rang Anne and I said, Anne, will you come to Burnley for a week? Because I've no idea what I'm doing. And she came and she was there for 11 years. Just got a real, real heart for the community. And I remember when I first met Anne, I thought, man, I've met someone like me, like somebody who really just wants to go out and share the gospel. So we would intentionally on a Saturday, uh, we would go into Stirling City Centre and we would just go with the intention that we were going to share the gospel with people. So we'd get in the car in the morning and we would pray on the way to the, into the town and we would just pray and we'd say, right, Lord, we're open. If, if anybody needs to hear the gospel, we're going to share it. And one day we were just walking through a really busy, crowded street. And this little kid, it was really random. A little kid came past me and passed me a balloon and I took it. And then the kid walked away and I passed it to the guy in front of me. And he, and he just burst out laughing. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I've got no idea. And we ended up chatting to him and he ended up being like one of the biggest drug dealers in that area. And we had a conversation for about 30 minutes. And then, do you know what? He, he, he became a Christian. Like he just, he prayed, he, he said the sinner's prayer. It was a step in the right direction. I don't know how much of it he actually understood. But I really feel that God puts people in your path. And we had another story just maybe two months ago, three months ago. Anne was in Rylands Park, you know, in Lancaster. And she saw this guy on the phone and he was in a quite a, like a big heated conversation. And he was, he was upset. And then Anne just really felt to speak to him. Nobody was with her. She was on her own. He came off the phone and she just said, she said, are you all right? And he was like, do I look all right? 
And she goes, Jesus loves you. And he goes, why on earth are you saying that to me? And she goes, I just really felt that I was to tell you that. So the guy ended up just like totally broke down. They got into a big conversation. Um, but right at that moment, me and Matty were driving home from church here. So it was, I think it was like a Sunday or something. We were driving home and I rang Anne on FaceTime and she said, oh, Jem, I'm just having this amazing conversation with this guy in the park. She was like, and you know, he's got a really hard life. We, we, we really need to pray for him. So for some reason, so me and Matty are in the car speaking to this guy on FaceTime that we'd never met before in our lives. And like Matty was chatting to him and just saying, do you know what, mate? Like you really need to like just sort your life out and Jesus died for you and he loves you. And like we prayed for him and like by this point, all of us were crying so I was in tears on the phone. Matty was in, the t- in tears. Anne was in tears. And the guy was really upset. And we ended up, <laughs> I don't know if he accepted Jesus, but we ended up like just giving him the details of Des Dean, you know, from Father's house because he lived there. And we said, you know what? I says, get yourself along to a church on a Sunday. It's really going to help you. So I, I do believe that the more that we share, the more that God will open up opportunities. And there's nothing, there's nothing special about me or Anne or Matty. All it is, is we've just, we've just, we're just willing to share the gospel. And sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right. So we must believe, Ephesians 2.10, that God has prepared work in advance for us to do. And that is the same with evangelism. The more we do it, the easier it's going to be for us to step out. And Jesus said, John 20, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. So he's sending everyone, not just gifted evangelists, but... There's lots of different styles to do evangelism. So I've got like this little thing that I wanted to just show you. Um, I did try and print this out, but I couldn't get it to work. So has anybody ever seen like an evangelism styles thing before? You know, those questionnaires that people get you to fill in and it's kind of, it shows your kind of style of doing something. So I found this little resource a few years ago. So I'm going to give you a few different styles of doing evangelism. So some people are very good at the upfronty stuff, chatting to strangers, quite dynamic people, easy to chat to people. And I've already mentioned people are not very good at that and it's just not their gift. So I'm going to give you just a few examples. So that's a direct style. So people like Billy Graham, like good at addressing people, quite charismatic. Um, then you've also got people with more of an intellectual style. So this might be people that are more drawn towards Christian apologetics, answering the big questions of life. So that might be you. Uh, testimonial style. So this, so I would say this is Anne, actually. So Anne does come across, across quite confident, but she's not that confident. I think Anne is very good at like sharing her testimony. So she's, if you've never heard Anne's testimony, you need to hear it. So when I first met her, I thought either this girl was totally crazy or this is a true story. And it turns out it was a true story, but I've never heard anything like it. So Anne's testimony is quite dynamic. So some people are quite testimonial, like people like Corrie Ten Boom, like really good at bringing people along with them. Uh, interpersonal. So yeah, so kind of like when Paul says, like we become all people to win people. So sometimes you just meet people that just seem to be good in lots of different contexts. They're quite good at speaking to people from different walks of life. Uh, invitational are you someone that is good at inviting people to church because some people are really bad at it like do people when was the last time you brought a non-christian to church and that's a challenge like when was the last time we had someone come here uh, and they're not christians serving style which will probably hit a lot of people in church so you might be really good at you know when someone's ill and you're that kind of person that takes a cake round like they're all great ways of just showing people jesus however let's not be disillusioned by that because I heard a few years ago, maybe one of you guys will correct me. I can't remember who said it, but can you remember someone used to say like, you know, show Jesus uh, by using words if you have to. Have you ever heard that before? I hate that. I actually hate that. I'm like, please stop 
stop saying that in church. I'm like, because yes, it's very, very good to show Jesus by how nice we are. That is a lovely thing. But please, please don't be disillusioned by that. People need to know who Jesus is. So, so my parents are not Christians, but they're probably one of the most generous couples I know. They're much nicer than a lot of Christians I know. You know, so if, you, if you're someone that's thinking, you know what, I'm just going to be as nice as I can. I'm going to go around doing lovely, nice things. And people are just going to, for some reason, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're just going to absolutely see who Jesus is. That is part of the Christian life, but that's not what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to preach the gospel. So I love, like, I love feeding homeless people. So when I was younger, my brother went to prison when I was 10 years old, and he spent most of his life homeless. And I have no idea where he is today, probably homeless or in prison again. And so I love just getting on the streets and getting right down beside people and chatting to them. I can't walk past a homeless person. My friends hate taking me to, to a city because I spend all my money in Greg's and McDonald's just getting people burgers and coke. But I just can't walk past them. I cannot do it. But do you know what? I love it how Ezra's not walking past them. So when we go to a city now, Ezra points them out. He's like, Mommy, over there. And I'm like, right, okay. And do you know what? I, I, I very rarely give money. I, I probably don't do that. But I'll go and get them some lunch and I'll give them it. And I always sit right down beside them. And I always tell them that the reason I did it is because of Jesus. So every time I do it, no matter where it is, I'll always sit down beside them. I'll say, do you know what? The reason that I've bought you lunch today is because the Lord Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants you to put your trust in him. And he did, I did that in my life years ago and it's completely changed my life. And that's why I've given you your lunch today. And, you know, I, I would always make sure that I say it's because of Jesus because people are really, really nice, you know. So let's make sure that we know what we're doing. So, yeah, so I think a lot of people... You need to recognize what your gift is. So I, th- I feel when I do talks on evangelism, people either go away completely feeling guilty, like all oh, my days, like I'm not sharing Jesus enough. That's not the reason for this at all. That's not why I'm doing this talk today. I'm doing it because I want to inspire you. So if you want, I've got that sheet of paper and you can fill it in. So it's lots of different questions that you answer. And at the end, it kind of tells you what your style might be. And I think that is really, really worthwhile doing. So if you want it, come and speak to me at the end and I'll, I'll email it to you so you can fill it in. And I find it really, really useful. So mine does come out very much like a direct kind of evangelism style. But it'd be, it'd be lovely to see what yours is and how you're using that. Because a lot of it might, it might just be a lot of those soft skills that you have that you don't realize how good they are. If you're good at baking cakes for someone, bake a cake and then write a little card in it. Write the gospel out in a card. Put it in with the cake and give it to someone. You can easily do that to a non-Christian neighbor. You know, sometimes it's about stepping out. So evangelism comes in lots of forms. So we have got like preaching, evangelism, door-to-door, alpha courses, festivals, social media. But however, research shows that the majority of people become Christians through the witness of a friend or a family member. And I think that is quite interesting. So at these big rallies and events, we do get a lot of people coming forward. And they, do you know what? They've stepped up and a lot of other people didn't. So they are quite genuine. But there's something really, really unique about somebody becoming a Christian through friendship. Because through friendship, you've got an opportunity for discipleship. So you hear things like, you know, evangelists are quite good at getting people in to the church, but then they don't know what to do with them. And I would say I'm actually a little bit like that. Like for, for, I find discipleship a lot harder than evangelism. I find that harder, like that one-to-one Um, kind of ongoing support for someone. I'm quite good at getting people through the door, but discipleship is really important. And you don't need to know it all, as I said before. So if you look at how Jesus did discipleship training, so when you've got time, look up Luke 9 and 10. You'll see a lot of it in there. So he he sent out his inexperienced disciples almost immediately. They actually learned on the job. 
So it wasn't like they became Christians and then they came to church and then they did, did like a 15-week course on mission and discipleship and evangelism. Obviously, that stuff's important. Like, we want to be training people for mission. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But, you know, they just got, along, they just got alongside Jesus. They just ob- ob- observed what Jesus was doing. And they watched him and they heard him. And then, then Jesus said, now you can go and do the same. So Jesus died, went to heaven. Then we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to live the way that Jesus lived. So never think that you don't know enough or never think that it's too late. So my grandmother became a Christian in her 70s, the only Christian in my family, which is not a great reputation for an evangelist, but she's the only one that became a Christian so far. And yeah, she became a Christian in her 70s. And I remember when she died, she wrote loads of, she wrote down most of her life. It was quite incredible. We found the writings from my gran from like when the year she got married. And I found this bit of writing in particular and it said, I said, you know what? I always thought that I knew who Jesus was. So my gran was a Sunday school teacher most of her life, but she never knew Jesus. She knew about him and she knew about church, but she didn't know the Lord. And she said, it wasn't until my granddaughter became an evangelical Christian that I really figured out who Jesus was. And in, in, in her 70s, 70s, 80s, she was writing evangelistic letters to people. So she, she couldn't get out of the house and she could hardly do anything. But, you know, she really had this drive and passion to tell people about Jesus. So never think that it's too late, know enough, or you're not gifted enough. So three misconceptions about evangelism. We're, we're going to cut it soon. We're going to stop soon. There's so much more we could talk about. I would love to come back again because this is actually only half a lecture that I've done so far. Um, but yeah, so three misconceptions about evangelism. So that it's optional. It's not optional. So whether we like the term or whether we feel that there's... The, the term has had a lot of bad press. And I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, even businesses have started using it now for selling things. I saw this business. I was reading this thing a few weeks ago. I can't remember what it was called. But they actually used the word evangelism in the title, a secular organization. I thought, wow, that's interesting. Anyway, I can't remember who it was, but it might come back to me. So whether we don't like the term because of, it, because of its like reputation, don't... You know, evangelism is spoken a lot about in the Bible, so we have to get on board with it. Um, Another misconception is that it's something that we do for God, and it's not. It's something that God does through us. So it's not something It's not something that we do when we, we get saved and we think, all right, now I'm obligated to be a little walking evangelist. That's what I've been told to do. told to do it, but it's not just about trying to earn God's favor. Listen, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, Jesus loves you no matter what you do. And I know that's scandalous to think about, but that is actually the grace of God. So all the times that you've not mentioned Jesus when you should have, all the times that you've not taken the opportunities, God loves you all the same. But he wants to actually use you. He wants to use the church to tell people about him. He wants to use the church and us to reach the lost. It wasn't a, the church isn't like a backup plan. Like, we, we're actually it. We're actually it to bring people to salvation through the work of the Holy Spirit. And yeah, the last thing that we've mentioned, a church or you personally doesn't have to be perfectly ready to engage in mission. We'll never be fully prepared. And I do believe that God does honor our efforts. Through my ministry, especially when me and Matty were in Burnley, when we planted the church, there was lots and lots that we got wrong. There was lots of things we tried that didn't work. And sometimes that can look like failure. You know, you start, you start like a, like a cafe church or you start something after, after a few months, it's dead on the ground and there's nothing happening and you feel absolutely disillusioned and you're like, oh my days, what am I doing? Like, I, I truly believe that God loves that better than the way people are doing nothing. So if you get criticized for ministry if especially from Christians for some reason it's Christians that probably like to criticize the most I always just say like well what are you doing how would you do it like, oh well I'm not doing it I'm like well I like the way that I'm doing something rather than the way that you're doing nothing you know I do believe that God will honor it and, and that's not to take away from from prayerful reflection 
obviously when we go into ministry, we want to make sure it's God's will and we want to have a heart of prayer. But I do also believe that God's like, do you know what? Just get out there and do it. Like you don't know what God can do through you, especially as the church, as a body as well. So evangelism is an activity we can describe. To. So it is an incredible privilege to be a Christian and to share the gospel. So in mine and Matty's family, um, our, so our kids, Ezra, and Matty's brother's children are the first generation of Christians in our families. So they'll be the first with Christian parents. And if you have a Christian mum and dad that take you to church every week and, you know, growing up, you might have thought, oh, that's really been quite boring for me. Like, do you know what? It's such an incredible privilege to have parents that love Jesus and pray for you. So if I hear Ezra moaning when he's older that he's got Christian parents, I'll probably beat him up. I probably won't do that. But, you know, I, I really pray that it's actually something that he's just really, really proud of. Like, I, I'd love to go to bed at night thinking that my parents are praying for me. You know, so if you've grown up in a Christian home, like, just be really, really proud about it. So, yeah, it's an incredible privilege to hold the message of the gospel. But as that quote says, it's not something that we can hang on to ourselves. We need to pass it on. Uh, another thing that's exciting is it's shared. So it's in partnership with others. And I love that about discipleship. And I love that about evangelism. And I love it about mission. So my church in Scotland, going back, like, they had, a, they had such a heart for evangelism and mission. So when I was a teenager, smashing windows, not doing that anymore, thankfully. But I'll never forget, I'd get off the school bus and the church doors would just always be open. And every night we would be in there. Like the commitment from the people, it was incredible. So when I came to England, I thought that every single person was a missionary and evangelist because I didn't know any different. I wasn't brought up in the church and every single person in my church had a heart for a mission. And that was just because it was such a central aspect of what the church was doing that it just filtered right through. So mission is something that we can share with people even just in the really small things I would say my biggest ministry in Burnley was actually going to get the church shopping it sounded crazy but I'd always just fill the car up with people from the estate I'd be like like guys we're going to go and get the church shopping anybody want to come and we just have a great laugh like going around Tesco's and getting everything for church so when you're doing ministry just grab people with you and take them with you and that's totally what Jesus did like Jesus just allowed people to his life and, and when that happens people do they do see the good and the bad about you like I, I hope that in my relationships that people are close enough to me to actually know the things that I struggle with because if not it's easy to come to church on a Sunday and we've got it all together like I, I know that I don't and that's why I need Jesus so it's shared in partnership with others and let's not forget that it's contested so it's opposed by the powers of evil Satan does not want you going around talking about Jesus. So do you know when you're in school and it's really, really tough, like when people ask if you go to church and it's easy to say, oh, no, I don't go to church. You know, Satan wants to, he doesn't want us to be sharing the gospel. So you'll find that lots of things will come in your way. And that might be fear. It might be, do you know what? I'm not going to be very popular. People aren't going to be my friend. Like all those things are quite hard to live with. It's easy to just say it. But if you're going through that every day, it's really difficult. So Satan will try and stop it. But it is divine, and it's God, and it's Holy Spirit inspired. It's the Holy Spirit that equips us to do mission and evangelism. So I'm just going to stop uh, just by sharing this quote with you, because that's us on 7.30 to try and keep the time. So it says this, it says, it's by Dr. Leighton Ford, and it says, Jesus was born in a borrowed manger. He preached from a borrowed boat. He entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate his last supper in a borrowed upper room and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Now he asks to borrow the lives of Christians to reach the rest of the world. If we do not speak, then he is dumb and silent. 
I'm just going to leave that with you because it's an incredible quote. So let's just pray together. And yeah, I just pray that you just really will just get a heart to share the gospel with people, that you'll feel inspired, uh, that you'll feel able and willing, that you'll be able to look at yourself and think, you know, what gifts have I got to be able to communicate the gospel with other people? So let's just pray together. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word that gives us so much clear instructions of how we are to communicate the gospel. Father, we church that you have chosen to use us, uh, not the building, Lord, but you've chosen to use the people lost. And Father, I pray tonight that no matter how we feel, uh, whether we do feel a sense of even guilt, Lord, I pray that that would be completely taken away, Lord, that we would realize that um, you're gracious, that you're kind. And Father, that you'll give us lots of opportunities to share the love of Jesus with other people. And Father, it is through that motivation that we start to see people the way that you've created them to be. So Lord, I pray that you would just put people in our paths that we can share the gospel with. Father, I ask that you would just give us courage and boldness. And Lord, that we would not be ashamed uh, of this incredible message that we have. So Father, tonight I just ask that you would bless each and every one of us, Lord. If we go back to our own homes, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us. And Father, we're so grateful and thankful for all that Jesus has done. In his name we pray.